0: On this episode of Doctor Who's That, we go all in on Chumblies, break open an ice cold maga, and Bay undings his dong. Welcome to another episode of Doctor Who's That, the show where we introduce a Doctor Who newbie to the show, lest we leave him on a planet with four blondes. <laughs> I am your host, Sean Gleason. Joining me, as always, is Andy.
1: Hello, my name's Andy. I am your modern Doctor Who fan, and I'm the excited-to-be-back one. <laughs> and also Bay. Hi
2: there. Uh, I am the newbie, and uh, I want to adopt a Chumbly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yes, today we are talking about Galaxy 4. Galaxy also known, 4. Yes. Also known by the working title, The Chumblies.
2: You know, I loved Galaxy 1 through 3. I was really excited for the sequel.
1: They can't, you know what, like, it's like lightning in a bottle, like, you know. I mean, I think, what, only Aliens has ever even managed to, <laughs> right? By the fourth one, they're, like, crossing chumblies with Zagorny Weaver and, like...
0: Though <laughs> so I did appreciate Idris Elba in this one. <laughs> so the title that we know it by is even more arbitrary than most, since it was sort of an internal production title that... I think they mentioned Galaxy 4 one time in the story. It barely computes and has little to do with it.
2: That explains a whole lot. Yes,
0: this also happens to be the last story for four years that does not have the word the in the title. Oh, really? Oh, that's <laughs> oh. This story aired in September of 1965. So, our state of the Hoonian, what we had going on behind the scenes at the time. It was nearing the end of Verity Lambert's time as the producer on the show. And she was concentrating her efforts on the next story, which would end up being her last. So Mm -hmm. most of the production work for this one was done by the incoming producer, John Wiles. And John Wiles immediately got into plenty of conflicts with William Hartnell. Hartnell Mm -hmm. felt that he had custody of the show's lore. He believed that little details mattered, like what switch did what. Mm -hmm. john wiles did not agree
1: i you know i think that's a very like prescient view like uh like i you can i can definitely see that kind of conflict with you know like the seasoned actor wanting to be like no everything must be like real as real as it can be but not only that it's like you know i feel like that he kind of accurately predicted the superfan you know what i'm saying
2: (laughs) but it but it's an appreciation of the craft too like William Hartnell is like, I am Doctor Who. i made this character.
0: Right. Yeah. The writer of this story was a man named William Ems. He was an Australian school teacher who was a regular viewer of the show, and he sent in this script unsolicited. Cool. So this could very well be the first example of on-screen Doctor Who fan fiction. Awesome
2: that's kind of amazing
1: <laughs> so now what i wonder it's like so okay now what i would love to know and maybe you know this or maybe you don't did he have like a like a really rapid turnaround time on this thing and he knew like he wrote it for steven and vicky or did did like was this like a did Ooh. he write it with like barb and and ian in mind and they just kind of adapted it that's what i would love to know like oh, in wow. between that's seasons. a great
0: idea I have answers to that for you <gasps> when we talk about the script. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but yeah, Ems um, later submitted other script ideas that were not commissioned, but mm. he did write scripts for a variety of other shows. Now, to answer your question, this script was written fairly early on in season two. Okay. So it was written with Vicky, Ian, and Barbara in mind. Oh,
2: with Vicky, though? not yeah. s- Not Susan. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And basically what they did, instead of, you know, doing any sort of rewrite, they basically just took a pencil, crossed out Barbara, and wrote in Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he inherited most of Barbara's role. And, and all of Ian's of choking from behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which may explain why the dude looks like a lady in this one, since he sh- seems to have inherited Barbara's fashion sense as well. <laughs> with Barbara's battle dress and cardigan.
2: But you know, it's kind of interesting because there's a lot of, I don't know how to say it exactly, like kind of a sexual dynamic. Yeah with um, with the, I mean, not that he's interested in the Dravins, particularly, but you know, like you have this warlike female, race. Mm-hmm. Is this, are we
1: going to a snoo-snoo place with this? Is that what? we're No,
2: <going>? no, not exactly. Um, I I thought it was kind of cool what they decided to do with the Draven. But when you say that a lot of his role was meant for Barbara, like that just clicks immediately when you say that, because I could see Barbara interacting with them a little bit more on the same wavelength than you mm. than you have Steven. That's uh, interesting. And that's not to say like, steven can't get along with women or, or <laughs> something. you know what i mean but it, well it's it's a different dynamic
1: yeah yeah i don't know like to me i just thought that's just how he acted you know like he yeah but you're right you're right and now that i think about it like at first you know he's definitely like i there's some eye-rolly moments but you're right like once he's captured it's very much it's it is different you're right
0: so, with the initial script meeting with the cast, William Hartnell annoyed both Wiles and the writer by insisting on his usual, you know, hums, haws, other vocalizations being inserted into the script, which le- almost led to an actual fist fight with the writer. And finally, John Wiles told him that he better just do it as it's written, or he'd be fired. <laughs>
2: Were the writers usually on set? Because that seems like kind of a bad idea,
0: especially if it's their fan fiction baby. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, Maureen O'Brien was also adding fuel to the fire by pointing out the various plot holes in this story and the dialogue. (laughs) So both she and Hartnell were constantly suggesting numerous changes to to the script, which was just annoying everybody.
1: Oh, they're getting along too well.
0: Yep. So it's safe to say that none of the cast was particularly impressed by the script.
2: Hmm. That being said, Vicky and the Doctor's interactions on screen, they're kind of like, they sometimes feel like cartoon characters that fuel each other's fire. Mm -hmm. So I just love the idea that in real life, the
0: actors are doing this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when asked why the villains were all women, M said that he wanted to work with four beautiful blondes. Oh. Ugh. <laughs> you could have said something so much better than that. <laughs> it was the 60s. Yeah. Oh
1: my God. I'm going to cross out some of the things in my notes that I said that were good.
0: <laughs> he went on to say that he liked the idea of the villains being the beautiful ones and the monsters being the good ones. But sure. it also seems that the reality was that this wasn't in his original script and that it was Verity Lambert who suggested it.
1: Of course.
2: Oh, interesting.
1: Oh, that's so funny.
2: It kind of made me think of like District 9 or something like that. No, I mean just with the, the sympathetic yeah. alien. Oh, that is, okay. That yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy was giving me a weird look. I had to <laughs> justify it.
0: Yeah, yeah. The Chumblies are our most recent new Daleks. Who, of course, are never seen again. That's too bad. And apparently their name is a combination of chum and friendly. So I wonder if they're the good guys or the bad guys, huh?
2: Hmm.
0: Some of our important people behind the scenes. The director was originally supposed to be the former assistant producer, Mervyn Pinfield. But at this point, he was getting progressively sicker and had to be replaced. He did make notes, he did the casting, but it was a new director named Derek Martinez who was brought in. And Martinez would end up directing six serials over the next five years. Uh, he had studied acting, directing, and stuff like that in Oklahoma and later in, at Yale. Then he returned to the UK where he worked as a theater actor. By 1965, he ended up at the BBC, and this was one of his first jobs there. Cool. His first act on the show was to implant his foot firmly in his mouth by telling Verity Lambert he had seen some of the earlier episodes of the show, and he thought that they could aim for higher standards. Huh. But he'd still go on to work some more on it. Shocking. Yeah. Negging. <laughs> and yeah, um, after that, he'd work do another variety of other projects, and he ended up dying in 2014, so not too long ago. But for this story, he mostly worked off of Mervyn Pinfield's notes and advice. Uh, The music for this story came from the same stock source as the music we had in The Web Planet. That explains a lot. It does indeed. (laughs) And as for the current status of this story... Uh, this is the earliest of the science fiction stories that has missing episodes. There were no telesnaps because John Wiles felt that the service was a waste of money. Oops. Unfortunately, we're now in the era where we really needed those telesnaps since this season and the next two are the ones that are hardest hit by the um junking of episodes.
2: That being said... It wasn't as bad as I was prepared for it to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah, me too. I was definitely like prepared to sit in darkness and have to <laughs> use my mind. And it would have driven me absolutely bonkers to do that. This is one of the those episodes that really kind of has a lot of long kind of thoughtful stretches in it. And it was, yeah. I mean, it was bad enough looking at some production stills, but like it would have been a, just a nightmare to hear it in, in audio format.
0: Yeah, I mean, luckily, um, Luce Cannon, who did the reconstructions that we watched, you know, they do a good job piecing the thing together through the publicity shots, through guesses, and putting in their occasional bits of added video, like um, <laughs> somebody picking up a rock. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: okay, good. Nice to have that confirmed. Yeah.
0: Some of those scenes are pretty hilarious, where it's just like, hand, picking up rock. Rock being thrown through window.
1: <laughs> Head from behind yeah. again. Yes. Those were Person
0: good. beating Chumbly with stick. <laughs> <laughs> and actually for decades, there wasn't really a good idea of what the Rills looked like. Because we only had that one photograph that occasionally pops up to give us an idea and it kind of gives us the impression that they look like Sandy crossed with the Slither.
1: Oh, are we talking about the 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 like looking through the door picture? Yeah. Well, I oh, think they okay.
2: actually go in the room, and it's kind of like. Yeah. Oh gosh, there was a there was a movie, um, science fiction movie that came out a year or two ago, where Amy Adams. Oh, uh, are you talking arrival? about the arrival? Yeah, yeah. arrival. Yeah. yeah. It kind of reminded me of that, where it seemed like they went in the chamber with the creatures. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, yeah. but it that's the first thing that I thought of. I think they actually go in there.
0: Yeah. During one of those episodes that we don't have, since the only one we do have is episode three, which wasn't found until 2011. So, as I was telling Bay, this is actually my first time seeing that episode in motion. Oh, wow. Since last time I saw it, it was as a reconstruction as well.
2: Man, if I could swap them, I'd definitely swap out three for four, though. Yeah, I really yeah, wanted yeah. to get a good look at those reel.
1: Um Now, so what you're telling me, then, is for the longest time, there was really just that one kind of abbreviated picture of the reel through the door. And then, like, yeah. later, a larger kind of full... Because bu- there is a larger, like... Full body shot, yeah. So, so, I'm
0: not sure exactly where that one came from or okay. what they did or what, but yeah, as far as I know, it was just that one face pick of the uh, the reels that they had.
1: God bless them for trying,
0: yeah.
2: I definitely went out online afterwards and was like googling to try and get a better idea yeah. of what the reel looked like. Is this the last time we see the reel?
0: Yep, yep. <laughs>
3: As a matter of fact, I think we shall get some long-deserved, undeserved peace for
0: one. So, I guess we should get into talking about these episodes themselves. So, our first episode is 400 Dawns. This name threw me. There is an explanation for it as we go along, which we'll get to. But they do mention 400 Dons at some point. But um, in this first episode, we actually do have about six minutes worth of footage. Some of which was basically from a fan who pointed a camera at their television. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's why it's not the best Of video footage but at least there's some motion in this first episode but we open with the TARDIS surviving and Vicky giving Steven a haircut which he calls a bit amateurish so he's kind of a jerk
2: was that TARDIS appearing in front of the matte painting was that one of the fan added things or was that part of the recording because I thought it was pretty poor but it was poor video quality too
0: yeah I think that might have just been I'm not sure actually I'd have to rewatch it But that might have just been One of their um, One of the um, still things Where they just kind of materialize The TARDIS in a still image Because I know they do things like that Throughout these um, loose cannon recordings They try to add motion When they can using the still images That they have But yeah the doctor yells at them To be quiet and listen As he looks at the scanner and when Stephen says, you know, I hear nothing, what's going on? The doctor says, exactly, there's just silence outside. The planet appears to be normal, and it's obviously conducive to life, but it doesn't have any. So the doctor decides that they should explore by saying, we should get some long deserved undeserved peace for once. So right there, William Hartnell makes his first flub of the episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, off we go
0: yeah off and running the sound quality was was bad enough that i
2: thought it was undisturbed piece yeah.
0: <laughs> thank you for um losing the episode i guess hiding one of our flobs no no <laughs> <laughs> so yeah steven wants to go and take a swim but the doctor says that it's time for scientific exploration and also we should be on our guard <laughs>
2: I'm going to point out that we could have had Doctor Who the beach episode. Instead, we got this.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I was already kind of like well into hating Steven by this point in the episode. Like (laughs) (laughs) his his attitude. I was like, I I wrote down like Steven takes too many risks and I kind of hate him. (laughs) uh, Despite barely being able to understand them.
2: I'm interested then to see what will happen by the end of the serial, whether Steven grew on you or not we will discuss that.
1: <laughs> I also, uh, you know, this is, you know, when we we're first introduced the Chumblies and I wanted to, I the, the first thing I thought of was like, I am really impressed because, you know, the first Chumbly and we kind of see it like slowly orbiting the TARDIS um, and it, it looked very painful and awkward. And I was like, it they predicted Roombas, right? You know, it's just, <laughs> that's exactly what it looked like to me.
2: Oh, see I I'd, I'd written Dalek
0: 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, by this point it's probably Dalek 6.0, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. So, yeah, we see this robot outside sort of beeping and hitting the tar- the Tardis. And I wrote down that it reminded me of one of those, you know, stacking ring pyramid type toy things. Mm. Oh, yes. (laughs) For like the preschoolers? Yeah. 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 A lot like that. But yeah, they hear it inside and they talk about how, you know, it sounds like it's blind feeling its way around the TARDIS.
2: (laughs) It's sort of a chumbly movement. Yes.
0: That's how Vicky describes it because Vicky is good at naming things. Is
2: that just something she made up or is that a British, British Britishism?
1: It's gotta be something that she made up because I remember even the doctor and Stephen being like, what, (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) right? And didn't she, what was the name of, oh God, we'll have to cut it in. Like I remembered it, but like, what was the name (laughs) of her, (laughs) what was the name of her like pet? Didn't it have, like, a really goofy name, too, when we first there met There was her? Sandy. Sandy, I think. Oh, yeah. Sandy. Okay. I thought she had, like, a funny name for something. Well,
0: there was also Zombo the Zarby. Ah, right.
1: Okay. Yes. <laughs> I think we're just, like, it, it seems like that's something we're establishing now for Vicky, yeah. which is, I mean, it's great. I have a funny observation about the Chumblys later, but we'll get to that. Yes. You know, it's,
2: it's funny. She's actually been on the show longer than I remembered her being. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she's been here for a number of stories now. But yeah, they check outside because, you know, at this point when they notice the Chumbly, Stephen's beginning to think it might be dangerous out there. And this is when the doctor really wants to go and explore.
2: (laughs) I remember writing, there's something kind of charming about the little murder machines. Yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah, they go outside, the doctor points to the three sons, and he cruelly reminds us that the Space Museum existed.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but then we see a Chumbly beeping and pointing its appendage at them. Captain Obvious thinks that it's probably a gun, and as the doctor approaches it, talking of peace, Stephen decides to pick up a rock, and... <laughs> The Chumbly points its gun arm at him. The doctor does note that it didn't do anything until Stephen made a noise, indicating that it's blind, but that it can hear. Mm. And when Stephen picks up that rock, that is our first of those added-in bits of a random hand picking up a rock. (laughs) The Chumbly bumps into them like it wants them to go somewhere. And when they don't, the Chumbly sets some plants on fire. (laughs) <laughs> Which is an obvious threat. The doctor decides they should do what what the Chumbly wants them to do, and they begin to get herded away by some chumblies.
2: I I noted something. Did the doctor previously use a
0: cane? Because it looked like he was carrying one. He has at some points carried a cane, I believe. But yeah. I think that, I I know that there have been a couple times when the story calls for it that he's carried a cane for some reason. So there are two women watching as the Chumbly draws near. They throw some type of mesh over it, which stops it from getting its control waves and stops the Chumbly in its track. The women introduce themselves as the Dravins from the planet Drava, which is in Galaxy 4. Hey, now the title makes sense. The
1: one time we mention it. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, but it's funny because they're a space faring race. So you thought, eh, maybe Galaxy 4 was a different galaxy. How should we know? The planet's never named. Yeah.
1: And also it's like, um, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't their own galaxy be Galaxy 1? Yeah. Like, where are they getting this nomenclature from? That's what I want to know. And this, of course, this is where I hate Steven a little bit more, too, by the way. Um, because he has, to, <laughs> like, he has to throw in and like, hello there. And I was just like, oh, please die.
0: Yeah. But, <laughs> because Steven immediately trusts these women while the Doctor and Vicky are suspicious. Because they're not idiots. The Doctor
1: especially. And this is my first thing that I wanted to call out. Because um, I loved that. It, it, it's really starting to develop that part of his character where he doesn't take anything at face value. Um, you know, he's been around, you know, unlike an audience who might think, Oh, you know, like space women, you know, they're probably okay. They look pretty human, you know, except for their, you know, mascara eyebrows. <laughs> but like the, the doctor, he is immediately suspicious uh, or rather, it's not suspicious, but he's skeptical. Like he doesn't—he doesn't just take anything that they say as a given. And I thought that was so fun.
2: Well, I was kind of suspicious of them when they said that they wanted to take them to their leader Maga, um, <laughs> because I was like, "Oh, she's making Galaxy 4 great again." Oh God, God. I was no. trying to—I
1: av- was trying to avoid it, but you know, it's inevitable. Um. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the Javins refuse to answer any of their questions because Maga just told them to take them to her, not to answer any questions. And, you know, they say, you could stay here and get murdered by the Rills. They've already killed one of us. And when the doctor hears about these Rills, he's immediately interested mm-hmm. because, hey, some weird monster to look at. right. But the doctor agrees to go with them, especially as there are four more chumblies on the way. They try to take that mesh back, but it's apparently magnetized to the chumbly, so they have to leave it. And the people go r- rushing off. The chumblies come and free their companion, and they set off following after the people.
3: Well, it's uh... It oh. was a decent spaceship once. Uh, pretty backward now is it? Yes, it's almost fossilized. <laughs> I don't know, it's got one or two good features. Beat those chumps! they that still
0: outside. When the doctor and his crew get to the Draven ship, the doctor's complaining about all that physical exercise that he's had to go through, and then he starts insulting the Draven ship, calling it pretty backwards. Steven thinks it has one or two good features. I wonder what those features are, huh?
1: Boobies. That's all he
0: wants. (laughs) So so when they're brought in, MAGA arrives and is told that the prisoners have been brought, a word that Vicky instantly picks up on. The Dravins fearfully tell MAGA that they were unable to get the mesh back but the doctor explains about how it was magnetized to the chumblies. MAGA tells the doctor that they're in a fight to the death, in which one side will be obliterated, and it's conceivable you'll be obliterated too. Vicky believes that she wants to kill them and says so, because, much like Maureen O'Brien, she's always happy to stir the pot. We learn that the Jovins came to this planet 400 dawns ago, There we go. The episode title does make sense. Ah. And they were looking for a planet to colonize. The Rills got here at about the same time. She says that the Rills fired on them and they crashed. The Dravins fired back, which crashed the Rills' ship. And once they got on the planet, the Rills killed one of the Dravins. When Steven asks what the rills are like, MAGA just says that they're disgusting.
1: Right. And at this point, I was like, pretty sure I had a handle of what was going on here. Um, (laughs) You know, it just I mean, you know, I'm not gonna (laughs) I'm not gonna I mean, we've already talked about, like, in the beginning, like how the writer enjoyed working with the pretty evil, good, bad things. But, like, I think this is the point in the episode where I was like, okay, yep, I know exactly where this is going now. All right, (laughs) cool. Right.
0: So, Maga also tells them that the Rills informed them that the planet was going to disintegrate in 14 Dawn's time. The Rills are repairing their spaceship in order to escape, and Maga wants to capture that ship because hers cannot fly.
2: Andy, you must just pick up on this stuff better than I do because I was just like trying to process all of this wacky stuff. Like, how do they know that it's going to disintegrate or be obliterated or what have you in in 14 dawns? Like, where are they getting this information from?
1: Yeah, see, I just took that to be like in in my head that was just like the okay, yeah, no, whatever. This is like this is the pressure that You know, the writer had to add, there had to be some pressure in this situation to kind of move the plot along. But like, I just didn't, like, for some reason, I just didn't, I completely glossed over that in favor of like, okay, I see where, you know, I see where this is going. I see, like, clearly we're being fed all of our information by one party and they're they're a little sus to use, you know, the term of the day. And um, yeah. Also, like, at this point, I don't I I I don't know if we saw the same reconstructions. I mean we must have, uh but there's this one point where like there's like this weird like I wrote down that it's not like adult entertainment. Like there's like oh, some God. screaming and like it will
3: be the of you. You want that, do you? No. You want to be captured by those creeping no. revolting no. monsters? No. You want that slimy clothes to pose no. about your neck? No. You fool. No. You're
1: it sounded like moaning like there's like you got to go back and watch it like during that episode there's like this like this little bit maybe they're fighting or like doing some sort of draven ritual or something and there's just no video for it it's, it's i had like almost no idea what was going on with the draven but i knew <laughs> they were bad
2: see yeah. i i don't know i the only thing that like really had an impression on me sound wise was just like that weird beeping pinging thing that the The chumblings were doing
1: is that them yeah oh yeah with the well there's that so the thing that i wanted to call out while we're talking about how weird this episode sounds (laughs) is this like it sounds like it's like a um a viola or something that's being and it's like this yeah. Is that them? Is yeah, that what you're yeah. talking about? Yeah. They used the hell out of that sample. Like yep. it is <laughs> non stop. Like that's the one thing that reminded me the most of the web planet, right? It's just like the we're gonna make alien sounds.
2: Well, and it would have been bearable if there was action to go along with it, but instead I get five minutes of yeah. <laughs> something.
1: Yeah. It's like one of those, like you know, set pieces in like a in like a video game, where, like, you can you, you you walk into one particular room and like there's the generic jungle sound number one and the programmer was just like eh that's that's good enough and <laughs> it <could> just <laughs> just keeps
0: going. There are
3: too many of us on drama. all women, women. Yes, uh, uh, female. <laughs> Oh, oh we have a small number of men as many as we need the rest we kill they consume valuable food and fulfill no particular function
0: so yeah While they're talking with the dravins steven focuses on the most important thing and asks if they're all women yes uh, he he's did. told that their planet has a small number of men just as many as they need to survive and the rest are killed because they use up valuable resources and serve no function
2: See, now you're getting back to the snoo-snoo, Andy.
0: XY, the last Draven. (laughs) Maga also explains that she is the only one who is really alive. The others are inferior products created in test tubes, whose only purpose is to fight and to kill.
1: Ah, yes, that very potentially interesting thing they never really dig down on ever.
0: Yeah, It was, like, really kind of a cool
2: idea, though. I mean, like... I I realize that it's just to make them more sinister. They eliminate excess males. They, like, grow soldiers and stuff. But, like, it's kind of a cool thought. Though the only issue that I see is, you know, if their males are anything like our, like, human males, you'd assume that Draven males would be more suited for combat. Maybe they're all 90-pound weaklings.
0: <laughs> I'll give you one guess who came up with the idea of these sort of test tube drovins, and hint it wasn't the writer.
1: <laughs> or oh, was it Verity? <laughs> yep. <laughs> See, that must be like like she just makes she just has good ideas, you know, and like she put it in there. And then, like, of course, that's the thing that I'm like, oh, they should have explored that more. And now it makes a lot more sense because she was like, oh, my God, this sucks. Let's just put something in it that (laughs) sounds cool.
2: Let's
0: do something cool. Like, let's give
1: them something. And, you know, yeah, of course. Of course it was her.
0: I do like when Maga apparently goes over to one, claps in front of them, and then it just sits bolt upright and jerks its head like some kind of robot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But while this is going on, outside, Chumbly is approaching, and MAGA orders the... Dr- I think it's actually pronounced MAGA, but I yeah. keep saying MAGA. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They, they
1: both trigger me.
0: <laughs> MAGA... <laughs> MAGA orders the Jovins to turn off the outside radios because the Rills send in their machines to tell lies, and she doesn't want to hear them, none of which is at all suspicious. Exactly, like
1: that. Yeah, that definitely makes me trust. I, I, I am very much inclined to trust somebody when they're like, "Oh, don't listen. They, they spill lies." I'm just going yes. to hide their voice from you. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Listen to my test tube soldiers, not the
2: foreign
0: yeah. propaganda. Right. Yep. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> so the Draaven's fire upon the Chumbly to scare it off, and apparently they haven't actually successfully destroyed any of these chumblies yet the doctor wonders why the rills would bother telling them about the planet's imminent doom if they want to you know kill the Javins. and Ma- maga just believes that they're trying to trick them aboard the rill ship so that they can kill them steven suggests that they're offering to help hey steven had a decent idea and vicky agrees with this uh, the doctor wants to make sure that the Rills aren't lying, and he wants to go back to his ship to find out if the planet really is doomed. MAGA insists that one of them stay behind, and Vicky, of course, volunteers to be that person, possibly to make sure that horned Dog Steven doesn't. After they leave, MAGA berates the Dravens for losing the mesh, and I think this might be... Andy, where you got the, ma- the draven moaning that you were oh, talking yeah, about yeah, before. Yeah. As yeah. they're moaning in fear at possibly her approach. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's what it was.
0: But the doctor and Steven head off to the TARDIS where there are some chumbawumblies waiting. The uh, chumb get knocked down, but they get <laughs> yeah. up again. The chumblies seem to be trying to find a way in unsuccessfully and one of them makes a cute little mournful sound.
2: And the doctor's like they'd be they'd have to be pretty advanced to break my force barrier.
0: Yes. Which I think is the first time he's mentioned a force barrier and I'm not sure if it's the last one either.
2: Well, I mean, I remember that the um the Daleks did try to break in.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if he mentioned a force barrier or if it was just because, you know, The TARDIS is too strong, but whatever. The TARDIS gets new features and loses features all the time. Remember the fault locator? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That we'll never hear about again? (laughs) So after going in and checking some of the readings, the doctor says, yep, the planet's doomed. We better go back and get Vicky and leave. But they also know that the Dravins won't let them go until they've helped with the Rill's. And the rills, by the way, were wrong. It's not fourteen dawns. it's two. Dun dun
2: dun! The last day this planet will ever see. Yes, I did. Uh, I noted that the sound effects and the eerie music was going like pretty wild near the end of this episode. Yeah. too. Like that must have been the the stock music you were
0: talking about. Yeah, that's some of it.
2: Was that Astral Map, was that the same one that um, we referred to in, was it the Zarbi?
0: Yeah, it was from the web planet as well. So lots of references that's, that's what I mean. to the that's web what I mean. planet. They referenced the uh, Space Museum. So they're just referencing all of our greatest hits here.
2: Well, okay, I did not appreciate those serials very much. <laughs> but I will say that I I do like when they bring some of that stuff back.
1: Well, sure, continuity's great. It's yeah. just, they could have done better episodes for continuity. Yeah. But that's fine, At it's fine, least fine. they're
2: not reminding me of a better episode. Right, <laughs> right, right. It's true. True, true.
0: <laughs> you guys love the Daleks, right? No matter what this story's faults, it's better than the Space Museum. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yes. Oh. Huh.
3: Oh. oh, I think Guy must have been resurrected. Please, Doctor.
0: Oh. So yeah, we get to episode two, Trap of Steel,
1: which is such a good episode title. <laughs> yes.
0: So outside the Tardis, a Chumbly leaves an object by the door, which turns out to be an explosive. <laughs> <laughs> I love when the two wires go together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> He's blowing it up
1: like an Indiana Jones villain. He yeah. does it twice too. Yeah. I remember there were two, that, Like it was like a bomb that blew up twice or something. But yeah, I loved it because I'm like watching him bring it over. I'm like, that there's a bomb. And then like <laughs> watching like it roll away. And it's like, those are clearly the bomb wires, right? Yeah. But it takes like Stephen and the doctor like a good you know minute to be like, <laughs> are those and then you
2: know (laughs) was it steven or the doctor had said i think guy fox must have been resurrected
0: gosh i don't remember which one but yeah one of them so good oh wow so yeah but of course the explosion does nothing and so the chumblies leave for a bit back at the Draven ship vicky's refusing to eat her veggies Aside from clearly not being a leaf eater, she's also worried about the others. Maga says, Don't worry, they won't allow themselves to be caught. They're much too worried about you. Vicky wants to go and look for them, but of course, Maga won't let her, because if she does, they might just escape in their ship and the Dravins need their help. And Vicky responds with, Whether we want to give it or not. Hmm. So, yeah, the story's really hammering home. The Dravins are not to be trusted. Yes. Uh Steven and the Doctor arrive back at the Dravin ship, which they're still talking smack about. That's inferior, it's old fashioned. The Doctor doesn't really think too highly of the Draven's intelligence. Well,
2: even but Steven, you know, despite saying it, it had good points earlier, is noting that it's pretty odd. Yeah. So the doctor takes out an implement. They said it was a screwdriver, and I was like, Oh my god, is this the sonic screwdriver?
1: But I <laughs> nope, nope, yeah, nope, it's
0: just a plain regular screwdriver, it's just a metal one, yep, Komp which womp. he uses to scratch the ship and show how crappy this thing is. <laughs> how did it even fly in space? So, yeah, they continue to trash the ship in front of MAGA. Doesn't he even say that he's afraid if he coughs too loud, the spaceship will fall to (laughs) pieces? And yeah, he tells Maga, yep, this planet only has 14 dons, exactly like the Rill said.
2: I thought that was kind of awesome too, because now we know that Steven also knows that he's punking them.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So Maga asks for help to capture the real ship and escape in it. And the Rills, of course, will be left behind as they're evil. You only have to see them to know this. The doctor refuses to help, saying, I never kill anything and neither do my friends. Yeah. Which is laughable if you've seen how many corpses they've left behind on this show already. (laughs) I'm
2: I'm glad you said something (laughs) about it because I was like, Is that an accurate statement? Yeah.
1: I mean, it's certainly like setting an archetype for the future, at least like idea of the doctor at his best.
2: I just go back to an unearthly child where almost (laughs) brains somebody with a rock. (laughs) But I mean, that was pretty early in his continuum.
1: I mean, like, I still feel like, yeah, this is some proto proto character (laughs) development here. I, I'd never kill anything, starting right now, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Which, you know, he says plenty of times in the future and then proceeds to accidentally or purposely lead things into their deaths. But... <laughs> and then, of course, like, I, this is, you know, he's telling them
1: he's not going to help them. That's ridiculous. And then very clearly, this puts them out to the degree that they're, you know, willing to threaten his life. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't even he doesn't even care, right? Like like yeah. he's chastising them and then they're like, Are you sure you're not <laughs> gonna help us? This is your last chance. And he's like, whatever. And of course well, he gets a gun pulled on him.
0: Yeah. But
2: he also knows the stakes, right? He knows the stakes and they don't. Like the clock is ticking for him in a much worse way than it is for them.
1: Right, yeah. which makes it all the all the sillier that he would, you know, risk getting taken prisoner or having delays because of, of you know, his need to mouth off, which he totally does.
0: <laughs> yeah, as you said, MAGA pulls a gun on them. Uh, Steven tries to be a voice of reason and suggests, hey, maybe, you know, there's been a misunderstanding here. Maybe you and the Rills could just leave together, but MAGA's just tired of all this. And so Steven jumps at her and tries to get the gun away from her until a pair of Dravins come in with their guns raised. And the doctor agrees, fine, we have no choice but to help you all.
2: And they've got, like, those crazy-looking rifles,
0: too. I love them very much. I mean, even if they don't seem to work very well.
1: (laughs) I would encourage everybody uh, (laughs) to go, like, find a picture. There's, like, a vinyl... I think it was, like, a vinyl... Release of like of, of either the music or the audio for this episode with like two Draven soldiers on the front with their guns. And it, I mean, it looks like some Oingo Boingo uh, album cover <laughs> stuff. Like, it is awesome. I really love these guns.
0: So, yeah, at this point, Mag is also beginning to suspect that maybe the doctor's lying about this whole 14 Dawn thing. And she threatens to kill Vicky, at which point the doctor caves and admits. Fine, we only have two Dawns till D-Day.
2: I I was a little disappointed that it all collapsed so quickly. Yeah.
0: Well, that's what you get when you have somebody who apparently isn't that great of a writer trying to tell <laughs> a high concept sci-fi story. <laughs> and
1: isn't this right around two where we learn that the Chumblies have never actually hurt the Draven?
0: Yeah. <laughs> right,
1: so it's like transparently clear at this point and it's just like... Okay, I think we see we all see where this yeah. is going. Like and yet we've got two more episodes to figure it out.
2: Well, I mean, she pulled a gun on him.
1: Yeah. Well, people pull guns in desperation all the time, yeah. right? And that's that's certainly happened in this series before, right? But like I
0: mean, the Chumbly's chucked bombs, so yeah, I don't true, know. True. And they blew up that plant for no reason. What did that plant ever do to them? <laughs>
1: Those were exploratory bombings.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, even Steven is beginning to realize that maybe something's up with the Draven by this point. But, yeah, Magus sends two of them to go and capture the real ship, and this time Steven insists on being the one who's left behind.
3: Why did they use it on the ship? I mean, if the rules are such enemies of the uh, Draven, why don't they just wipe them out, hmm? Maybe they Rays can't cut through metal. No, oh, don't you believe that, my dear. Don't you believe that for one minute. <laughs> no, that's it. Uh, that ray gun could go through this like a piece of paper. They don't even seem to have tried. Hmm?
0: As Vicky and the doctor leave, the doctor wonders why the Chumblies don't just blow up the Javin ship with their ray guns, because clearly they could.
2: I, in my notes I'd written down, um, he says something along the lines of they could have cut through the hull of the Draven spaceship like a piece of paper, yeah. but they don't even seem to have tried.
1: Yep. Right. In case it wasn't clear enough, let's yet again repeat. <laughs> right? But but I do, um, there are s- some
2: kind of cool things in the script for all of its big plot holes.
0: Most of which were put there by Verity Lambert. (laughs) Well, we already
2: talked about the three suns in the sky, right? Yeah. So it's interesting because the Draven always measure things by dawns, which I thought was a little odd. But I, I mean, we measure days. We just call it something different. And ours are based on our lunar cycle. But because they have three suns, their dawns and nights are different lengths than ours. And I thought it was a kind of a cool concept that I didn't really think about too much until they make it explicit here about how long that actually means in terms of the rest of this serial.
1: See, yeah, yeah to me, um, first of all that you know, they're not from there, right? So like they would, as a spacefaring race, have some kind of like standard, method of measuring time but see in my head i was just thinking like well this is this is clearly like this is like a three body problem kind of situation like you can't actually act like all i could think about was like how unbelievably difficult it would be to measure time with a dawn with dawns in a three solar system right because it's not like they're going to be passing by at regular intervals um you know it would be all wacky uh so that to me i'm getting too nerdy with this never mind we should (laughs) no no it's
2: it's a good point
3: yeah i'll tell you what you give me your gun whilst you go and fetch Marcus, and then we can both
0: fight the machines
3: together yes you're trying to be too clever
0: so stephen is put under guard and when he's asked for food he's given a couple tablets Because apparently only MAGA gets real food, and Vicky, I guess. Yeah.
2: (laughs) This is where Steven starts to do this, like, really interesting reverse Stockholm Syndrome thing with them. You know, like, well, that hardly seems fair. Right. You know, like, she's got the cool gun, while your guns can't do very much at all and stop the machines. Why don't you take it? I mean, you're the soldier, right? Right.
0: Yeah. And you think that this might lead to something, but then MAGA comes in and is basically like, bad, driving. bad, don't listen to that man. He was trying
1: to trick you like the <laughs> machines. Yeah. That started, and I'm like, oh, God, like, it's a little hokey, but, like, here at least, you know, we're going to have, like, because, like, this is one of those difficult situations, you know, to write, right, where you've got certain characters off doing things, and then one character who's, like, trapped and so it's got to be about like their captivity and typically the kind of machinations that happen during these sort of things are they're much more kind of in the head kind of mind gamey stuff and i was like okay well you know i've seen it a hundred times before but uh maybe they hadn't in the 60s kind of interesting and then it just goes nowhere right like yeah, yeah i was disappointed
2: no andy i would be interested to see what you think of some of, of Stephen's actions in this episode and the next one in particular mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. through that prism of this is actually Barbara, not Stephen. <laughs>
1: oh, I do. And we will <laughs> we will talk about it.
0: So, yeah, Maga tries to convince Stephen to just, you know, take the Dravens with him back to their ship. They could leave together. You know, everything will be good. Stephen points out Well, we could do that, but you might then decide to leave me along the way because I'm taking up too many resources. Plus, only the doctor can operate the ship, so it's a moot point.
2: That's what I thought he was in real trouble.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And that's when she just sends Stephen to sit in a corner, and the Javins begin wondering, hey, why don't we just kill this guy now?
2: And she straight up says, when I'm good and ready. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's right over there, bro.
0: <laughs> so elsewhere, Vicky and the doctor are observing some of the Chumbly patrols. The doctor is wondering how they function, and Vicky is being way more practical and is wondering how they're going to get past them. The doctor tells her to be patient, We must observe, note, collate, and then conclude. After that, we can act. So I'm gonna throw a rock at it. Yeah, Vicky does not have time for any of that, and yeah, she just throws a rock at it.
1: Which I I really liked this scene because like uh, this was some like I couldn't understand it at all. Okay, like I want to be very clear. I saw a still photo of. The doctor and Vicky, and I heard like, <laughs> <laughs> and then and, and then like, like from what I could make out, like it seemed like they were having like a good time again, and I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed seeing like another good like Doctor Vicky exchange. Thanks for filling me in.
2: They so often are like playing in kind of conjunction with each other. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun when the writers play them off against yeah. each other.
0: And yeah, when the doctor asks if she's trying to get them killed by throwing that rock, (laughs) she points out, Well, if you noticed, I threw it behind the chumbly, and it didn't react. Which tells me that they seem to only notice sounds in front of them. So if we stay behind them, we can move unnoticed. The doctor still says, Well, you shouldn't have done something so risky. And Vicky responds with,
3: That was no risk. Mm. I noticed observed, collated, concluded, and then I threw the rock. Oh, yes, 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 quite so, yes. I I wish
2: there was video on this so you could see, like, Andy's (laughs) eyes rolling around.
1: (laughs) (sighs) I know, I mean, like, it's cute, it's cute, it's whatever. I just really wish I could have heard that. Um, But still, yeah.
0: So then they start following behind a chumbly. As they approach the real ship, they notice they've got a drill rig set up, and they wonder what they're drilling for. The doctor's very impressed by this real ship, and he comments that it's far superior to that disaster that the Dravins are flying around in.
1: Right. It's a proper material to make a ship out of. I like that.
0: You
2: know, for all of that, though, (laughs) it just looks like weird metal scaffolding. But it's a proper ship. Yeah, it's,
1: it's made out of proper stuff. I mean, like, at this point, I was kind of inoculated against it. I was like, yeah, okay, yep, okay. The reels are going to be really weird looking. Like, I just knew it. Like, all their stuff is going to look weird. But, yeah, you're right. Once they get in, kind of inside the ship, it does kind of look like um, scaffolding and plastic. I wouldn't
2: be surprised
0: to find out that this had a pretty low budget. Yeah, I'm not sure what its budget was comparatively.
2: Because just, like, the sets and everything... You can tell that they're matte paintings and Mm -hmm. just, you know, like cheap metal scaffolding. Well,
0: I mean, that sort of thing. Being a studio bound story for the most part, yeah, it's all going to be matte paintings. But yeah, it definitely comes across cheaper, I think, on our modern day impressive TVs than it would on a 60s TV.
1: That, and I would like to also note that, and perhaps this is to the credit of the, what's the name of the Reconstructor people?
0: Loose cannon.
1: Okay. It's perhaps to their credit that, like, it was easy to kind of forget about that. But there's really only, like, a couple of shots to the inside of that real ship, right? And I feel like we're, we've certainly missed a lot. Yes, certainly. it It's from the shots we do have, like, at least that shot where you're kind of, like, looking down the hallway, question mark? Mm. Yeah. Like, it doesn't look too impressive, but, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm inclined to give it at least a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and just kind of trying to appreciate that they maybe they were trying to go for, like, something kind of alien, like, right? Yeah. Like, it was pretty clear that by this point in the story to me that they were like, all right, well, we're going to make up the real th- – and we're going to hold off revealing them and we're going to make them up to be very strange and very alien because then it'll be even more of a shock when we subvert your expectations.
2: I I did think that um, it was kind of cool that both the doctor and Vicky are giving us this sensory analysis. You know, like, again, the doctor takes out his screwdriver and tries to scratch it. He's not able to and concludes, you know, they're more technologically advanced. Mm -hmm. And then something that just doesn't come up in television or movies an awful lot. Vicky's like, I can't place that smell.
0: Yeah. And you know, as they move through, yeah, they're smelling this weird smell, which Vicky eventually recognizes as ammonia.
1: See, like that, I I feel like I would absolutely be able to place ammonia. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I
1: also own a couple cats, so you know, do with that yeah. information what you will.
2: <laughs> cats, real, they're basically the same. Yeah, yep. secret, except cuter.
0: <laughs> as they explore. They're laughing about the chumblies. And Vicky suddenly screams, and we see a monster! Dun-dun-dun! And we get to episode three, Airlock, now in motion.
2: Well, it was interesting, too, because, like, when you see that still, I wrote that it was like a reptilian kind of face. But it almost looked different to me. I couldn't help but thinking back to the sensorites, where like the face looks different in the the first episode than it does in the second. Yeah. You know. Maybe it's just cuz it was moving in in
0: number 3. Yes.
1: It reminded me of the the scene in Species where uh, they're trying to understand the sill creature better, and so they decide that they're they're just going to make a a pure alien DNA creature in this like lab, and it's this really taut, tense scene. And at one point, like the creature like leaps up on the glass, and you see this like kind of weird mouth, kind of with like these little needle teeth or whatever. And that's that's what it made me think of
2: again with the sexy aliens, huh? Yeah.
0: I think a lot of people have described that image that we see of the, you know, that photo of the rill as, you know, Sandy crossed with the slither. Yeah. While, Mm. you know, when we get to our motion of the rills, I wrote down something like, okay, this kind of looks like a bird octopus or something.
2: Wait, so the, (laughs) wait, let me just remember, was the slither the thing that came from, um, from the Daleks? Yeah, like they had. Yeah, that might be the (laughs) worst thing I ever (laughs) saw on this show.
1: (laughs) What was the? Oh, uh, because I was thinking of the. That was
2: from the Dalek invasion of Earth. The
1: thing that
0: jumped. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh. Oh yeah. yeah. No yeah. Kills it. Okay. Yeah. Mine
0: or something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It falls down the mine shaft. (laughs) How did I remember that?
1: (laughs) Sorry, I was thinking of, like, the uh, like 2006 the uh, oh. James Gunn film.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, episode three, Airlock. So, um, if you recognize the noises that the um, real ship makes, those are the noises from the Daleks' control room, but played backwards.
1: Oh. I thought they sounded familiar.
0: And the door noises in this story also come from Dalek episodes and also from the censorites.
2: Again, Uh. with the referencing the (laughs) annuity and everything.
0: So um, Vicky and the doctor run around the ship for a bit until they're separated by a door that slides down. Vicky's surrounded and shepherded away by a bunch of chumblies. And the doctor messes around with their machine that converts gas to ammonia to see if he could, you know, do something to threaten the rills to get her back.
1: Oh, that's what he was doing. Yep. Oh, God. Messing
0: around with their air supply.
1: <laughs> I thought he was trying to unlock the door. Because, nope. like, I remember, like, I'm like, is he trying to unlock the door? And then, like, later, you know, of course, she comes back and he's just like... <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, man, he's really bad at unlocking doors all of a sudden. <laughs> There's just, like,
2: a lot of stuff from here. Like, watching the episode in motion, you get a lot more. Yeah. I had said, you know, like, there's a great scream from Vicky. The face in the window is more alarming and more poorly made than it appeared to be in the <laughs> reconstruction. The chumblies are blinkier than I suspected they were. The set looks so flimsy, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Bit.
2: And just the spacing between characters, like at one point, the Chumbly just seems to be waiting behind Vicky, just like <laughs> it's supposed to be tense and like there's time is running out or something, but it's just standing there.
3: But I at least have enough intelligence to imagine it the fear, the horror, the shuddering of a planet in its last moments of
0: life. So back at the Draven ship, Maga is being annoyed by a Draven who really wants to go out patrolling because it's patrol o'clock and she's confused why Maga won't let her. It's clear that the Draven is arguing because she's confused by doing something different than she's used to. And Maga starts complaining that she's the only one around here capable of thought, which I think includes Steven, and that now she pretty much has to face this dangerous situation alone. Is this when she looked like
2: straight on into the yes. camera and was like, if you are to conquer space, they said, you will need soldiers. <laughs> yes. So here I am confronted with danger and the only one who can think.
0: Yep. Yep. And, you know, the Dravins apparently have no concept of wanting to help friends. And she realizes that these Earth people would die for each other and they have to use this against them to escape this planet.
2: That seems like it makes these soldiers really weak. Yeah. (laughs) That they wouldn't be able to die for each other. Like, that's pretty difficult if you, like, aren't even willing to die for a cause
1: yeah I mean, and of course, you know one of the most impressive things that about you know human history are those times when people are willing to sacrifice themselves for a greater good.
2: I guess that's why we're not born in test tubes or yeah whatever,
1: yeah, there was an interesting exploration of the the draven psyche here that really just doesn't really get too much further treatment. I will note, isn't this uh, <laughs> this is a place where Magus says some cold-ass shit about yeah. like, imagining them dying.
0: Yeah, she, she looks right into the camera oh, as yeah. she's saying this crazy stuff, staring right at us. Cold. About, you know, being That's able I was to thinking. imagine their death.
2: Cold as ice. Yeah. She, I had it written down. The fear, the horror, the shuddering of a planet in its last moments of life. And then they die. It's like, whoa, she is like chewing on all of that flimsy scenery.
1: Well, and not only that, but like, I remember one of the soldiers is like, what? We will not see them die for this is the stupid line that I was told to say. And then (laughs) Maga says, that's all right. I can imagine it. You know, I'm just like, oh, God. Oh.
0: she's
2: awful that's what it means to think
0: and steven's just in the background feigning sleep listening to this nut job (laughs) yeah
1: cold as ice
0: but yeah she eventually sends one of her dravins out to look for doctor and uh vicky stop doing that
3: what do you want anyway Stop doing that. What do you want anyway? 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 We are sorry to separate you from your friend, but it was necessary.
0: So, meanwhile, Vicky is led back to the room where they first saw the rill. Oh, wait, is this where they like do that
2: wild audio thing with her voice? Yes. Yes. It was awesome. What do you want anyway? What do you want anyway? What do you want anyway? I thought that was so cool
1: because it was like they're like learning her language. Like they like she says a couple sentences and they're like, all right, let's try this out. You know, and they're like dialing it in. And then they're like, OK, <laughs> we've got English now. I just thought, you know, for the time, that was kind of a, like a cool effect. I gave him, I gave him some points for that one.
0: That was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I wrote down that they basically, you know, mimic her speech in a chip chipmunk like fashion mm-hmm. until it slows to normal and yeah, they could communicate with her. And this is our first example of a translation device on the show. Oh,
2: okay. Most of the time they just they they skim over that. Yep. Yeah.
0: Most of the time it's just, you know, yeah, the Dravens just happen to know English.
2: I, I always figured it was, like, some TARDIS yeah. thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I
1: mean, sure, later it's explained. And maybe, maybe you could explain the fact that the Drava know English that way. But you can't explain the fact that they have an air pressure gauge in English. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, you can, that you cannot explain so easily. But anyway, we'll move on. <laughs>
0: yeah. But yeah, a shuttered door opens and real looks out and begins to question her. And yeah, this is our first time seeing the rill in motion. And really, the first time since 1965 that anybody got to see the rills in motion was in 2011, so...
3: You call the machines Chumblies? Yes.
0: They apparently communicate via thought, and they transmit these thoughts to the Chumblies.
2: See, I th- I thought that was really cool. Like, I mean... So it's not the first time that we've had really kind of strange looking aliens that are friendly. Um, I always appreciate that. But, you know, like going into their physiology and we've got to talk through this, you know, cute little puppet, <laughs>
0: and everything else. I don't know. I thought they were kind of endearing. But yeah, Vicky tells the Rills that they're time travelers from Earth and that they've been forced to come here by the Dravins who are holding her friend prisoner. And this is when the Rill says, you know, they just don't understand these Dravins. They don't understand why the Dravins want to capture their ship. They've repeatedly offered to take the Dravins with them. Um, and the Rill also questions, why are you calling our machines the Chumblies? So, everybody's wondering where she got this name from. Yeah,
2: but the thing that I thought was great is that he and everyone else just roll right into it. Yeah, I love that. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's what their name now. Yep. Okay. Boom. Sure. That's better than my stupid name. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I wanted to tie that together with something. So, uh, when listening to The Real, I kept thinking about um, there's a scary. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like a one-shot character from the Venture Brothers called the Grand Galactic Inquisitor. And it's like this alien that's sent down to Earth to observe. And he is like 11 feet tall with glowing red eyes. And he keeps just saying, ignore me. And like, that's like all I could think <laughs> about when like the, the real were are talking because they're always talking like this. And like, I thought that was so funny. With, when, it was, when it was paired with the fact that they were like willing to go all in on Chumbly's, they're like, the Chumbly will take you to the TARDIS. Please follow the Chumbly. And it's like, oh, that is so funny. <laughs> Ignore me.
3: <laughs> we could have shot back. Our weapons are superior to theirs. But we do not kill the Dravins do.
2: So their, uh, their description... Of the encounters with the Draven are kind of different. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, they they also kind of... I think Vicky wanted to see him a little bit closer, and he... I'm just saying he, but come on. um, Not all the dominant species in the universe look like humans. Our appearance might shock you like it shocked the Draven.
0: Right. But yeah, the real goes into their side of the story. Their ship came face to face with each other in space and, you know, neither wanting to turn away. They basically sat like that for four dawns until the Rills finally said, "Okay, this is dumb. They turned away and the Jovins immediately attacked.
2: This seemed very Star Trek to me. I'm almost certain that we've had moments like this. In like either classic Trek or TNG. Okay.
1: So uh, yes, we have. And that is something that I was going to mention uh, in the next episode uh, for my notes there. But like it's I can do it now. Um, I did eventually grow to at least appreciate the whole uh, beautiful women as evil, uh, ugly creature as a good thing. And I would like to note that uh, the episode you were thinking of, at least prototypically, um, it's it was been it's been done a couple of times in Star Trek, but the first and most notable was uh, called The Devil in the Dark, which is an mm. original series episode where um I thought so. M- miners on a planet are being killed by this mysterious creature called the Horda, and it is only through you know the intervention of the enterprises they they come down there they try and kill it, and you know it 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 carves a a primitive message into the rock with its acid you know stomach or whatever that says no kill eye, right? That's like a very, you know, powerful uh, image from the original Star Trek, proving, of course, that it's intelligent. And, you know, this episode was nearly two full years before the devil in the dark on Star Trek. And so I do kind of wonder if there was, I mean, like maybe this was already a trope by then, like I don't know that much about television history but like I do kind of wonder if if it was an inspiration. So
2: see, I was thinking more of like two ships meet in space. They are completely alien to each other. They can't communicate with each other and like I can just hear Shatner being like we can't turn away because if we turn away they might attack us or you know like They might be offended if we turn our back on them or something like that.
1: Oh, okay.
2: See, that's the sort of thing that stuck with me. Or, you know, like trying to outrun a ship whose intentions you don't know. I promise that that at least was an episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, clearly the real captain just needed to kidnap MAGA. And then, you know, try to communicate through metaphor on the planet's surface. Yep, there's that too. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I was going to mention that, but
1: uh, uh, the less uh, familiar listeners, uh, we are, of course, referring to... Shock when the walls fell. Yes, yes. We are, of course, referring to Darmok. Perhaps the single greatest episode in the history of the next generation. Certainly one of the top five.
2: We just need more aliens that only speak through memes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Although honest, no, I'm not going to get into my problems with a society that communicates through metaphors not making any sense. But <laughs> It does not, but it, is, it absolutely doesn't. I just watched this like episode this
1: week, and I still, at the end of it, I was just like, I was moved, you know, I was okay. deeply moved. But yes, you're right, you know, of course, it doesn't make any sense.
2: <laughs> any, any work of entertainment that can reference Gilgamesh is good. Yes, thank
0: you. But yeah, both the, um, the Draven ship and the Rill ship ended up firing on each other, both crashed. Eight of the 12 Rills were killed on impact. So then the Rill tells the rest of the story via flashback, which is a pretty rare occurrence on Doctor Who, really. Oh, uh, yeah. The Rills apparently tried to help and injure Draven, but then MAGA shows up and starts firing on them. And as the Rills leave... They see Maga just killing the injured Draven.
1: Cold as ice. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Yet again.
0: And so, you know, the Rills are like, we gain nothing if the Dravins die. We just want to help them escape the planet. The Rills offered to help save the, you know, injured Draven, but the Dravins just killed her. Um, And yeah.
2: I kind of disagree with the Rills. They actually gain something if the Draven die. The Draven are try to kill them. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But. Um and also like I enjoyed despite how cliche, you know, a lot of this was, I do think that with um MAGA at least, they do take it, you know, a couple notches further than I would have expected them to. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> they leaned into it.
1: Yeah. So I you know, props for that. She was she was scary.
0: Yeah, at this point, Vicky realizes that she had better stop the doctor from messing with their air machine, because these yeah. Rills are pretty cool guys. Oh, yes. <laughs>
2: so she runs off to do that, and I think we switch back to Steven, who is yeah. just waiting out his, his the, the yeah. soldier who's put on guard
0: duty. Yep, and yeah, the soldier falls asleep because these Javins are really terrible at their jobs, despite (laughs) being bred specifically for these jobs. You had one job. You were born to do it.
1: Not enough leaves.
0: And, you know, there's Steven trying to be sneaky, doing that whole, oops, there's a creaking noise, but she doesn't awake, takes her weapon, knocks her out, and I wrote... Damn, Stephen tackled and punched that woman. (laughs) Well, so. Okay, but
2: now think about it if Barbara had done that.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I think so. I, yeah, I feel like. Maybe Barbara and Ian were captive together because this yeah. is a very Ian thing to do, right? Like action Steven, like yeah. he, mm. you know, it's, and oh, by the way, this is absolutely one of those stage shots because it's very clearly someone in a blonde wig and it's very clearly <laughs> someone, neither of them shown with their faces. And then a hand comes in and just like judo chop.
0: And yeah. Down she goes. <laughs> But yeah, the transcripts based on just the audio always said that, you know, Stephen tried to grab her weapon and that the Draven fell and was knocked out. But no, it's pretty clear that, you know, Stephen just tackles and punches her. Right. <laughs> now which, that we see it in motion.
1: Which I definitely feel like Barb would
0: never have done. Yeah.
1: You know, that's, that's, that's more Ian's bailiwick.
0: But yeah, Maga comes in, notices that Steven's trying to escape, and Steven ends up running and locking locking himself in the airlock. Well,
2: he makes a, a dash for it, yeah. but I think there's a chumbly outside.
0: Yeah, he tries to go out, greeted by that chumbly, so he retreats back into the airlock, and there's Maga, evilly smiling at him through that inner door. He's between
2: a lock and a hard place.
0: (laughs) Vicky's made it back to the doctor and tells him, it's cool, the Rills just want to help. When the doctor suggests that it may just be a trap, Vicky points out that if the Rills wanted to harm them, they could have just had the Trumbly shoot them at any point. So yeah, the doctor's like, okay, but why won't the Rills just show themselves? And the Rill says, our appearance would not be pleasant to you. To which the doctor replies, oh, what nonsense. We're not children, you know, utter rubbish. (laughs) The doctor asks them, so what's up with that drill you have outside? And it turns out that they're trying to find a power source for their ship.
2: I was kind of bummed that they weren't trying to drill into the planet's core and fly it like a machine.
0: (laughs) 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 Only the Daleks would think of something that crazy. (laughs) The doctor also lets the riddles know that, oh, uh, you only have two Dawns, not 14, by the way. And the Rill is very disheartened because they've only found gas that they haven't been able to convert to sunray power, which is what they use to move their ships. Mm. Which seems odd since they're on a planet with three suns that they just can't collect it with relative ease. But hey, guys,
2: space is pretty dark. Maybe you (laughs) don't want a solar powered interstellar ship.
0: But yeah, the doctor says, oh, that's cool. I can help with that. All that I need is a cable and we could transfer some power to you. They then get a message that an unknown person has emerged from the Draven ship, but he went back in before contact could be made.
2: I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, I mean, I guess he does have to have like remote control over all of those chumblies. But man, his web reaches far.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Vicky wants to go back to the Dravin ship and let Steven know that the Chumblies are cool, but the doctor says, oh no, that guy's quite capable of looking after himself. Meanwhile, Steven is not capable of looking after himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, at least he's tough. Like, I, I like this scene because... Stephen was not going uh, quietly into that night. He was not dying, dying easily.
2: This is, I think, all of the stuff surrounding the airlock. And I guess it was either here at the end of episode three or in episode four when he's talking to the Rill. Made me actually appreciate Stephen. It yep. is a bit disheartening to know that it's just because I already love Barbara. <laughs> uh,
1: to me, it makes a lot more sense, and I'm, inc- I'm I am inclined. We don't know how much of it
2: was rewritten. Yeah. yeah,
1: you know, and if I think now's as good a time as any. Um, yeah, I think. Oh man, he grew on me a little, just a little. No, no, I'm I'm with you in this scene he in still particular.
2: Frustrates me, and we need another companion to weigh to weigh it all out. And somebody to bounce off of.
1: Yeah, well, in this scene in particular, he's got some sack, and he is kind of even getting suffocated by Amaga in the airlock. He's like, you know what? I'd rather, I'd rather fight the machines. And he tries to go out there. You know, you and he reminds me of a kind of proto Captain Jack in this particular (laughs) scene. Now, I don't know, Babe doesn't. You're not going to know who that is, but like he. Comes later in Modern Who and is one of my favorite characters of all time. And so it was nice to see Steven showing some, you know, yeah.
2: Is this a character from Torchwood? Yeah. Okay,
1: so you do know. Yes.
2: No, I only only ask that because I saw this guy at a con and um, he was very famous and Margaret was very excited to see (laughs) him. And I'm like,
1: I have no idea what's going on. Yes, as she should be, as anyone should be
0: yes he's great
1: but anyway so it was nice to see like yeah i saw steven in this scene and i'm like okay you can stay
0: although one thing (laughs) that might hint to you know the fact that this was originally written for barbara is that Steven, the professional spaceman, doesn't seem to understand how an airlock works and that it's not the safest place (laughs) if you want to hide. (laughs) I mean, you just ruined ruined it
2: for a a while.
1: Well, maybe he didn't realize what their airlocks looked like.
0: (laughs) Who knows? Yeah. That but said, yes, yeah. Mag- Maga explains to him that I can remove the oxygen from there at any time and suffocate you. But at least, yeah, Steven's like, go ahead and do it. Yeah, you know? do it.
1: I loved I, I like that. Yeah, good for you, Stephen.
0: And yes, this is our first and certainly not our last airlock threat. Oh, God. <laughs> well,
2: and, you know, like, he finally decides, you know... I'd rather face the Chumblies than you any day. Yes. But by that time, I guess the pressure has locked the door and made the choice for him. Yeah.
0: So the ch- um, Chumblies relay to the Rills that the that Stephen is now making noises of distress. And so the Rills decide they're going to send two of these crumbly machines, as they say, to assist. Will
3: him alone. We will send two more crumbly machines with you. But what can they do?
0: Um, But yeah, along the way, the crumblies run into the Draven patroller. And, you know, at this point, the doctor and Vicky are with the chumbly as well. Clever Vicky tells the Draven that they've captured these chumblies and demonstrates that she can control them. But the Draven patroller just wants to shoot a chumbly. And so Vicky wrestles the gun away. And the Draven requests that they just kill her now. Of course, the doctor says, stop this foolish talk of killing. She's (laughs) just a soldier, Aunt. Yeah. you know. But yeah, back at the airlock, Stephen's still being taunted. He's running out of air. And, you know, it's a pretty tense scene where, you know, we have um, our look at the controls that aren't working, the gauge, Stephen beginning to slump to the floor, and so on as our episode ends.
2: You know, come to think of it, that's kind of an interesting... I hadn't thought about it until I just compared her to a soldier ant. But like, if I remember correctly, all ants are female, too. So maybe they're trying to do a kind of like, yeah, insect thing.
0: I mean, that works. Oh, no, not the webbed planet again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the last 30 seconds or so of this episode, which is mostly the credits is still missing. But at least we have the majority of this episode. So then we move back on to episode four and back on to reconstructions with the exploding planet. Steven is in there, running out of breath, dying, and a chumbly throws a gas canister into the Draven ship to distract them, I guess, and another fires on the door, freeing Steven, who tumbles out.
2: You know, it's kind of surprising that they didn't do this earlier, but I guess they foreshadowed it by saying that they could have ripped through it like paper at any time.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Except, you know, the Rills aren't jerks and didn't want to. (laughs) But they do have gas bombs. Yes. The Dravins try to attack, but the Chumblies stop them and they're all like, okay, we've had enough of you. We're going to fire on you if you interfere with us. We'll fight you now if we have to. We're going to defend our new friends. A chumbly's left to guard the dravins and make sure they don't leave their ship. Meanwhile, inside, Mag is just saying, no Dravin is defeated until dead. And comes up with a clever plan, which is basically just, hey, you. At night, go outside, sneak around, and destroy that chumbly, even though we've never managed to do it before. I also
2: want to point out that for being like pretty pacifistic, the gas bomb, first of all, it's made of their atmosphere. And <laughs> second of all, their atmosphere is ammonia. <laughs> yeah. Now, they do mention that it dissipates enough that it won't yeah. cause them any harm, but that's still pretty messed up. <laughs>
0: Here, have some of our atmosphere. Uh,
2: It's poison, you know.
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. If we are right, and the power charge is going to take too long a time, then the doctor, the girl, and you must leave. We believe in self-preservation. Oh, yeah, sure. That is the there is choice, the doctor must go. He travels further than we can. And everything he has shown it stands for is what we believe in. So, it is better that he go.
0: So, back at the Rill ship, Stephen's being brought up to speed. Uh, the doctor and Vicky go off to work on the power conversion, and they leave Stephen to talk to the Rills because, really, Stephen's expendable. So, Stephen talks with the Rills. His full skepticism on display, but I,
2: I like I said before, I thought this was like a kind of a cool conversation that they had here,
1: yeah, Stephen grills the rill, you know
2: <laughs> next to their drill,
1: yes, oh my God, <laughs> absolutely, um, I really enjoyed it, uh just like you were saying, like the, he grew on me just a tiny little bit more in this scene, too. see, I read it. As he wanted to, you know, ha- fresh from his traumatic experience with one alien race, wanted to, you know, give the third degree to, you know, the this this race that's a kind of a mystery to him, and you know, force them to reveal their, you know, beliefs and moral code. And I liked it. I liked it. I like that they they're you know they're willing to die if they can't charge their ship in time. That's cool. That's cool. I wish I could understood yeah. the scene more. Um, because they, I feel like they they said extra words about like their philosophy or whatever and like why they admired the doctor. but it was it was kind of cool to see them revealed not only as you know helpful but selfless.
2: But they, yeah, I mean, they say they believe in self-preservation. And the other note that I had down here was um, one of their lines, "The doctor travels further than we can, and everything he shows he stands for, we believe in. It is Better He Goes. Okay. So they've, like, got some wisdom about... Well, I mean, I guess they mentioned that they were time travelers. But um, I I don't know. I always think it's cool when the Doctor makes intergalactic alien friends.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, the Rill's pretty much convinced Steven, hey, look, we're the good guys. If, you know, things happen, you can't charge our ship in time. We're not going to stop you from leaving. Mm Mm-hmm. And so Stephen apologizes for his suspicions. And he warns them that the Javins intend to take their ship. Although I think that the Rills know this by that point. So thank you, Captain Obvious.
2: Well, they're pretty desperate at this point. As, as I recall, like the clock is really ticking at this point. The doctor thinks night will be in about four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they only have... We may not have gotten to the point where he's like, yeah, we only have 30 minutes to get back to the TARDIS. Yeah, at this point, it's
0: still about it's still like five hours before the planet's destruction and about four hours left until the um, recharging is completed.
2: But it's cool because everybody's on the same page. Even Maga is like, this is the last dawn the planet will ever see.
0: So uh, my voice, how bad is my voice right now?
1: I mean, it's noticeably different. Um,
0: Yeah, it's strained a bit, but... Yeah. All right. So, uh, back at the Draven ship, Maga sends her soldier out with an iron pipe. And the soldier sneaks up behind the chumbly that's on guard and whacks it with the pipe. So their guns won't work against the chumblies, but a weapon from Clue does. (laughs) There is that great bit of footage that the Loose Cannon people made here, which is just, you know, somebody beating a model of a Chumbly with a pipe. (laughs) And then it looks like the Chumbly just kind of deflates as a sad musical cue plays. (laughs) So back at the real ship. The power transfers going on, and they get the message that the Dravins have destroyed a Chumbly and they've escaped their ship. Steven is beginning to fret as everyone's telling him to stand still. He's worried that they'll run out of time, that the Dravins will attack them on their way back to the TARDIS. And everybody's just like, stop it, Steven. We've got plans. Don't worry. As all this is going on, a Draven shows up and threatens them. A Chumbly shoots the Draven, and the Rill assures Stephen, don't worry, she's only paralyzed. Which considering how things end up for the Dravins is pretty hilarious.
2: Well, I just thought it was funny because um, I'd I'd written down the ding. Well, I guess the yeah. the ding that I had was initially for the dead chumbly, chumbly. That deflated. Yes. But then um i'd i'd written down ding after the draven was like death doesn't frighten me i die a warrior which is yeah. pretty <laughs> pretty hard way to go yeah that's pretty cool to go out on but uh i i unding my dong oh
1: god yeah good that's a good one that's good let's keep that Yep. <laughs> absolutely keeping that one
3: all right <laughs> Our appearance shocks you. Not now, I must admit it did it first, but I don't see why the driving should hate you. No, I mean, after all, we must look just as strange to you.
0: So the doctor calls Stephen and Vicky back inside, but tells them to prepare for a shock, for a rill has come into full view behind its glass. Sadly, since this episode is missing, we don't actually get to see what it looked like. But okay,
2: but then the reel says, "Now you know what we look like," and I wrote down, "No, dog, I really don't."
1: <laughs> I like this scene because it's like exactly what I wanted to see. Uh, well, they're like, yeah, <laughs> they're like, "Look, behold how alien we are," and the doctor's like, "I don't, I, I do not care." Yeah, like. <laughs> I respect all life or whatever. Was this
0: really necessary? We're running out of time. Right, right. I just wrote down, oh, so it's a
1: merman. Yes, yes. <laughs> or like the, the, the final evolution of of the transformation in Tusk.
2: Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, like, I think part of the moral or, you know, like the core of this episode is summed up in what the doctor says uh, here like importance lies in the character uh and to what use you put this intelligence we respect you as we respect all life
0: oh yep. wait
2: no this uh that might be the rills actually no come to think that, of that
0: is what the message of this episode yes but yeah everybody's like okay yeah at first your appearance is kind of shocking but that's cool why would the dravins hate you so much And Vicky says, hey, we must look just as strange to you all as you look to us, so whatever. But by this point, Vicky's beginning to feel ammonia sickness, so they say their goodbyes and return to the outer chamber to prepare to head back to the TARDIS. Meanwhile, the Dravins are fighting through chumblies to no avail, and MAGA realizes that their lasers are no match for a metal pipe, so she orders them to just head toward the real ship instead of wasting time fighting the machines. Uh, the ship has charged enough to get to space. And so the Rills are going to send them back to the TARDIS with a chumbly for protection.
2: If I recall, they just need to be able to lift off and
0: then the suns will power them up enough, right? Yep, Exactly. So, yeah, the Rills are sending a Chumbly with them for protection. Once they get back to the TARDIS, the Chumbly will self-destruct. Vicky objects to one of her pet Chumblees exploding, but it's just like, it'll be painless. It's just putting itself out of action. Basically, Vicky, it's a machine. She has to make a pet out of everything, though. Exactly. The Rills offer to wait to leave until they're safely back at the TARDIS but the doctor and Vicky urged them to just leave as soon as they can. It's okay. Our ship could leave just like that. Yours needs time. Just head out as soon as you can. The Rill says here,
3: It is easy to help others when they are so willing to help you. Though we are beings of separate planets, you from the solar system and we from another space, our ways of thought at times do not seem all that different. It has been an honor to know you and serve you.
2: Yeah, there there are a number of great quotes like that in this episode. I've written that one down. Uh, I would missed one a little bit earlier where, you know, it, it kind of underscores um, how different the doctor is from his human, even like futuristic human companions when, you know, Vicky is looking out and says, strange to think that a dawn." All this will explode into nothing. And he's like, no, not just nothing, child. Hydrogen gas that springs itself out like molten silver against other stars in the same galaxy. So I actually feel like the writing on this episode is pretty cool. Um, We've got, you know, Stephen talking to the real. We've got, you know, like those little poetic bits that kind of show how the doctor thinks. The moral of the the episode there, there's some nice little po- poetic poetic flourishes in the script in this particular episode of the serial
0: yeah definitely i mean some of the lines are good some of the plot bits throughout not great but at least you have some decent lines but yeah the tardis crew head back to the tardis they watch the wonderful sight of the rills leaving as the Dravins watch the same sight in horror, Magus spots them and, rather panicky, says, We could still catch the Earth people. The Dravins attack, but the Chumbly holds them off as our heroes get into the TARDIS. The Dravins watch the TARDIS dematerialize and everything begins to rumble about them. We have thunder noises. The reconstruction shows smoke and the planet exploding.
2: Was that footage of an atomic explosion? Because it looks pretty bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. But yeah, and I have no idea of what we originally would have seen It was either. like
2: kind of a, just for the, the listeners, yeah. it was kind of like a moon superimposed with an explosion. It was pretty cool, actually. Yeah.
0: But yeah, this is our first full planetary destruction. And I guess four or five dings for the Javins. Four dings for the Dravins and a ding for our lone hero Chumbly.
2: <laughs> Meanwhile, on the other side of the planet, there's an entire civilization. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> Inside the TARDIS. We learn that Vicky has done what all good companions do in such situations and has hurt her ankle during the escape. The doctor wishes that for once they could have just stopped somewhere instead of being surrounded by dangers all the time. And I imagine that Steven is just sitting off in a corner thinking about the Dravins. Uh, He's crying when he met them. Now he's just trying to forget them. (laughs) My God, it's going to be this way every episode with you, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, yes, it will. And you know what? If the makers of this show didn't want me to constantly be making these references to a band that wouldn't form for five more years, (laughs) they shouldn't have made Stephen Taylor's name sound so much like Stephen Tyler's. So, yeah, on the scanner, they pass by a planet. Vicky and the doctor wonder, hey, what's going on down there? The scene shifts to that planet where someone wakes up in a jungle and says, I remember now. I must kill. Next time, mission to the unknown.
1: That was such a weird non sequitur. (laughs) I, I felt like that, too. I... It did make
2: me want to know why he's got a kill.
0: <laughs> well, you'll find out next time in Mission to the Unknown. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that's it for um, Galaxy 4. So now it is time for our reactions to it. Thumbs up, meh, or thumbs down. And Andy, we'll start with you. Uh,
1: meh. This is a meh one for me. It, there were some really good moments. Overall, it took way too long to get to where I always knew it was going. Um, Yeah. Yep. I mean, like, it was fine. Uh, I think the things... It would have been a thumbs down, um, but for... I mean, especially given that I I barely saw it, right? But, yeah, um, yeah, some of the Steven stuff and the poeticisms towards the end of the episode brought it back up to a met for me.
0: Okay. Bay, how about you? Yeah,
2: um... So as usual, when we actually go through it and, and talk through it and relive it, I, I end up liking it and seeing the value in it a little bit more than when I'm suffering through like pew yes. <laughs> for, for minutes on end. But I liked the rills. I like, I like the idea of a beautiful human-like race that's just, like, savage and horrible while, you know, like, having an ugly alienoid one that's, you know, like, high-minded and logical and pacifistic. The Chumblies are adorbs. And actually, I really appreciated the extra time we got for Steven to grow in this one. I can't tell if I like it better knowing that those were meant to be Barbara's lines and Barbara acting it out. Or if I like it less, because I would have rather just had Barbara in the episode. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's a little bit conflicted. I think I'm going to go with a meh, too. I originally was going to give it a thumbs down, but I like Stephen's growth. It was interesting and like thankfully not too long.
0: Yeah, I think it's a pretty solid meh for me as well. I, I enjoy the Chumblies, mostly because Vicky makes the Chumblies awesome by giving them the name Chumbly. <laughs> yeah. Vicky is fantastic as always. It has some good tense moments um, peppered throughout, some good lines. Uh, but overall, yeah, the story is a little bit on the weak side. It's pretty obvious what's going on way too quickly uh but yeah so it's not terrible but it's not definitely not one i'll revisit anytime soon but you know what good for william M's. yeah getting his fan fiction on television i mean that's something we all aspire to
2: right yeah <laughs> i mean unless you got that that fan fiction hidden in
0: your deepest darkest folders you know the one i'm talking about <laughs> Oh don't know <laughs> so on to the viewing numbers for this story Uh, Episode 1 had 9 million viewers, Episode 2 9.5 million, Episode 3 for some reason shot up to 11.3 million viewers, Hmm. it was the last time for about a decade that it would get that high.
2: Listen, Episode 3 was the only one that actually (laughs) had any movement. (laughs) Yes,
0: (laughs) And Episode 4 was at 9.9 million viewers.
2: You know, that would be very interesting, though, to see if the episodes that had more viewers
0: were the ones that tended to be to the exist. ones
2: that exist still, hmm. you know, because there would have been a higher likelihood that somebody would have taped it.
0: Possibly. Possibly.
1: I think people are just probably tuning in to see what the uh, reel looked like. And then they were like, oh, God, it's just more about these angry women. Peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they
0: didn't so- I'm stuck in the airlock with Steven? God. (laughs) Wasn't that the name of a song? Stuck in the airlock with you? Stuck in the closet. (laughs) So, uh, some of the reviews that I've looked through. One review calls it monotonous and pretty dire. In the About Time series of books, they wrote, It does its job. Unfortunately, its job is to fill in four episodes. They also say that it's hard to see why this story was commissioned, as everything worthwhile in it was added by either either the director or Verity Lambert. Okay, well, that tracks with what we were saying. Yeah, Some of the thoughts on the story back then. Peter Purvis has been outspoken in his dislike of this story, in that, you know, Stephen barely had a character because it was just Barbara. (laughs) Um... And William Ems was unhappy with William Hartnell's performance and blames Hartnell for this story not being as successful as it should have been, which I think that Ems is lying to himself. Boo. (laughs) Because Hartnell is as good as Hartnell usually is in this one. The modern consensus with our polls. In the 2008 poll, this was number 172 out of 200. In the 2013 poll, it was number 210 out of 241. Mm. Some of the positives. uh, It gets praised for its sound design. People say that the chumbly noises have a sort of linguistic logic to them, if you pay attention. Based on episode three, people have also praised Martinez's directing of this story. They say, you know, it looks good, despite some of the other things going on. People like the visual design of the story, as far as we can see it. The negatives, the villains, are basically brainless servants except for MAGA, who is one-dimensional. One reviewer said that MAGA comes across as a slightly irked school dinner lady. (laughs) Well, and they
2: start to give the soldiers a shred of personality and free will and then they yank it away from us yeah
0: (laughs) and people also say that this story is very doctor who by the numbers like you know there's just not too much special about it i can see that so the overall you know results impact or follow-up stuff from this story on the final day of production maureen o'brien received an updated contract which included a BBC option for 20 more episodes after the first serial of the next production block. And so, you know, she received her updated contract, looked it over, said, all right, that sounds good, and left it behind as she headed off to her vacation. This was the last day of recording for the cast for a month until the next production block. So, yeah, this story was part of the previous block. It was held over to be the start of season three.
2: Oh, right, because they're out of sync with each other. Yeah.
0: Now, our next story, Mission to the Unknown, is a very unique story for a lot of reasons. One, it is our only one-part serial.
2: So one episode yep. for for the serial. Yes. It huh.
0: kind of serves as the prelude to another serial that's coming after that. And it is the only Episode in Doctor Who history, the only story in Doctor Who history with none of our main characters in it. So, have you ever wondered what Doctor Who would be like without the Doctor, the TARDIS, or the Companions? You'll find out next time. Doctor, no. I didn't (laughs) wonder (laughs) that. So, I would like to thank everybody for joining us. And you can contact us on Twitter at Dr. Who's That. Email us at Dr. Who's That at gmail.com. We have a Facebook group. Please subscribe, rate, share. We'd love to hear your feedback. And you know, sharing will help us grow. So yeah, I guess it's time to say our goodbyes.
1: I would just say to remember, remember the rills who dismember the Draven treason and plot. I know of no reason why the Chumblies this season should ever be forgot
0: nice oh
2: see i was just going to say it's easy to help others when they're so willing to help you and that it's been an honor to know and serve you all right good night all
0: and always remember bleep bloop (laughs) that's about right (laughs) good night